eventually I found out that value is entirely subjective and it has nothing to do with money. Hello and welcome to the Leverage 3 podcast. This is the show that helps you leverage the talent and tactics of high performers. I'm Craig Shoemaker and today's guest is Chris No. Now, no one told Chris how hard it was going to be to start a business from scratch, but with the commitment to help others, he was able to navigate the ups and downs that come with being a business owner. His mission is to help business owners value themselves without people pleasing and by redefining what it means to charge what you're worth. The concepts he teaches has created over three and a half million dollars in additional revenue for his clients and students, and he's got some of the best pipes on the internet. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Hi, Craig. Thanks for bringing me on. This is quite an honor. Uh, appreciate you reaching out and uh, having our discussions. Yeah, I, I've really been looking forward to this because I, I, I watched a video that you put up with one of your students mm -hmm. where you talked about the process that you went to went through in order to um, teach your concepts about pricing and, and the results that she was able to see from it. And I was captivated. I, it was like an hour long video and here I am on Twitter supposed to be scrolling from one thing to the next and I just I was glued to it. Well that's amazing. And she really had an amazing story. I think three clients equaled what normally would have taken her fifty forty six, I think, new clients before. And she was new to business. That was only her first right? she had just finished her first year in business. So um Oh my goodness. Yeah. The first the thing is that so, the, the thing is really that um I think when we start business we just don't know where to start and we we get inundated with so much other things or don't make it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the amount of hats that you have to wear is, is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, obviously you're, you're a board certified physician, you uh, have your own practice, you've gone through uh, so many different cycles of the business process. And yet now you kind of have this focus specifically on pricing. How did you get from there to here? Well, the, so the original story was that, um, I sort of like consider myself an accidental business owner. Uh, it's one of those people that just so hard to get employed, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I came out of residency, which is medical training and uh, they offered me a position there, six figures, benefits, all those things. And I just, it was one of the hardest decisions I made in my life. I, I couldn't see myself being there because I wanted, I had other responsibilities and other parts of my mission to help people. And if I had taken a job there, um, I would have felt trapped and stuck and I would have been miserable. So I said no. And for the next uh, nine months, I didn't have any follow-up because my specialty was so specific. No one wants to hire it or no one knows about it enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do. And I started looking around and three months before my residency ended, uh, someone said, Oh, look, we have a spot. Um, do you want to just open up a practice here? And so within three months I had to figure out how to incorporate. I had to learn all the ropes of starting a business, getting banking accounts, doing all this stuff, legal stuff for medical practice. And that's how I jumped into owning a business. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that, that's interesting that you, went to medical school and I would imagine with the original intent of helping people through helping them heal. Mm -hmm. And then you had that opportunity to do it for a company, but yet you, the vision that you had was not necessarily did I do it, I guess, through their method, but more in a more self-directed way. Is that what it came down to? Yeah, because I think 
and I, I realized this over time, a lot of us that really have this type of mission, to, I feel like to help people in our, in our own way, um, we're forced sort of into this world, the business world, um, either by a passion we have, either by circumstance in my case, and the inability to stand conformity. Actually, I think I'm all three. Um, and I, there was a certain <laughs> approach to really trying to help all these people. And just being in that setting, I couldn't utilize all the tools I had to help them. Mm. So, so did you find yourself in a position to where, wh how did pricing become an issue for you? Were you realizing that you were providing services and yet you weren't making the bills or what, what, what was that yeah, about? You could say that. So, right. Everyone assumes a physician, you know, if they're not opening the practice, they have six figures, whatever, and their life is whatever, not accounting the student debt and everything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you're on your own, obviously you learn that you have to wear many hats and uh, those things aren't told to us when we start a business. So in addition to that, the way I do services is not come in and get a pill or do this. You know, it's a, it's a very specific process that's very usually, that's usually customized to the person's specific things, their issues, because I try to focus on finding the root cause. And so fast forward seven years of doing this, I'm doing everything that people tell me, this should be the rates. This is how you see clients. This is how you build them or see patients. Um, and this, you're supposed to pack your schedule as much as possible. I was maxed out as a solo practitioner, as a solo business owner at 60 clients a month because each client takes about an hour, right? Or more, not including the charting work, paperwork, calling everything back. And so at some point right. I'm like, there has to be a better way. You know, you're, you're, you're getting home late. Um, you're trying to take care of all these people and you barely can do what you're supposed to do uh, to help them. And so ironically, I was trying to figure out better ways to market myself in, in like targeting the right people. Um, and I came across copywriting and I did intense training in copywriting uh, with copy school. And uh, I happened to come across someone mentioned something about pricing. And I looked at that because I was starting to go into freelance about copywriting and other things. And there's this amazing uh, talk by Chris Doe. He's, uh, he's in the creative space um, on how he did value-based pricing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the way he's talking about pricing and helping the person by understanding their needs first, instead of just saying, here's a service, appreciate my service, and try to force them to take the service at a certain price, um, it changed everything about my world. That, that's hilarious. Uh, appreciate my service. I like that. So... <laughs> Well, so, so the crux of the matter, I think, really comes down to the fact of a question that you asked me when we were having an exchange on, on Twitter like mm -hmm. last week or something like that. And uh, I mentioned something about value and you asked me, well, what is value? Yeah. And that got me thinking, uh, like, how would you answer that question? That I think that is a fundamental question that a lot of people, it's like one of those things like, what is what is a color and you just sort of associate with it but value is one of those things like when we hear value it's like i believe that initially people think oh it means giving more for a price or for some type of exchange but the thing that i learned it and this is what i used to do i used to compensate by giving more services and spending more time and treating more people thinking that's more value, but I was still underappreciated and the people didn't get better. Hey, this is Craig, and I wanted to take a second to invite you to join me on Twitter, where I talk about the interviews with all my amazing guests, 
and where I help you build a lucrative online course business. So look me up by my name, Craig Shoemaker, and make sure to say hi. Eventually I found out that value is entirely subjective and it has nothing to do with money. So what I value is going to be different from what you value. Um, the easiest thing right. is if I hold up like these AirPods case and you see it from this angle, I see something completely different, right? From this angle. Right. And so if I'm saying, right. hey, look at this thing here. Um, do you want it? And it's like, what is it? It's just a white thing. I don't know if I want this or not. But I know intrinsically what's inside of it and like its worth and what it does for me and everything like that um, is valuable to me. But if I show this to say like a 12 year old or well, they know more now, if I show it to a four year old, they're not going to know the value of it. <laughs> right. Because they right. don't have the experience and the context to place that value. Okay. So, and, and I, I'm totally tracking with you. So value most certainly in many ways is subjective because even if, you know, someone walked in, they said, I'm going to teach you how to be the best physician possible mm -hmm. to me that's not valuable because that's not something i value that you need so right and right and was, i would rather go to a physician rather than learn to be one right right and so when it comes to creating offers and selling services if value is subjective in that nature how do you put parameters around it in order to say this is my offer and by the way this is its value. I don't tell people how valuable something is um, because I've learned that value is mostly subjective. Um, I like Warren Buffett's quote, price is what you pay, value is what you get. So the, okay. and this is also tied in with fairness. Fairness is only your feelings about the price you pay. It doesn't mean you have to like it. So <laughs> Fairness is entirely subjective. Value is largely subjective, we'll say. If I say, if you're paying for something, say like a designer handbag, someone's going to see a lot of value in that. But how many of us have said like, I would never pay for that because there's no value for it. It doesn't, it means something different to you. So I like to equate value as an emotion almost. Like how many people like being told how to feel? Hmm. Pretty much no one. Right. But when you throw a price at someone um, and you're saying this is valuable, you're basically telling them how they feel because there's a lot of feelings that come with that price. So okay. until you actually understand where that person's coming from, the context they're coming from, and what they really value, telling someone that this is the price and is valuable to them, they're going to have this resistance. And so what a lot of people do is they make up for it by increasing volume bringing as many people to sort of like fit a square peg in a round hole. Does this work? I'm trying to, to square out a bunch of things in my mind at the same time. So is this mostly for high ticket type of services and, and products to where there's going to be a sales process and where there's a relationship built between people? Or do you see some of these philosophies work across the spectrum? It works across the entire spectrum. Um, so one of the biggest things is a lot of us don't like to raise our pricing, for example, because we're going to exclude certain people. Um, and then at the same time, a lot of us uh, only try to go high ticket, but then no one buys. So, so there was, um, I think I made something before, but uh, I'll quickly show. 
if you think of like price here and this is um how much selling you have to do so this is sales and this is i'm trying to think of um, the other component but this is basically oh this is risk so the more risk there is on we'll say risk here the higher the price actually price is down here we'll say risk is over here the higher the price is the more risk there is over here does that make sense okay versus yeah. the lower the price the less risk so someone's more willing to buy but that doesn't mean they value the thing that doesn't necessarily mean they value um, what's going on so you have to really listen to your customer base and your clients to get the context that you're at so that your offers and whatever you're doing for them it connects with them um and especially for high ticket it's not just like saying doing all the tricks and saying this is the most valuable thing ever it's really getting a connection with them and like targeting in on what's the most important thing and i see a lot of high ticket people will do high ticket but a lot of them that have gone through these high ticket programs sometimes even though they're getting income or revenue from it they don't feel authentic sometimes with it because it's mm -hmm. you're pinning someone into even though it's wide you're still you have in mind what is valuable what you think is valuable to them and then putting them in that slot right. so the other side of this is not raising your prices as well because um you have a value system and you're projecting that value system onto other people so a lot of people have trouble raising their prices because they feel they're not comfortable with their own value and their money or how they view money and so they're projecting mm -hmm. on other people when other people are happy to pay uh, yeah i think uh, how does alex hermosi put it he says don't price out of your own wallet yeah so just because it, you feel like that might be expensive doesn't mean that something else or that may not be expensive to someone else, mm -hmm. depending on the type of service and transformation you can offer them. Correct. And even it's not even a massive transformation, I think. I think really it is just coming down to understanding where the person's at in their situation and knowing how to give them a range of prices if they're coming to you so that they can decide what is valuable to them versus you deciding what is valuable so when mm. you have one price this is the problem a lot of people say what's your rate in quotations that's only one price right when someone looks at that they're going to choose this is is this valuable to me or not so there's a 50 percent chance that the person is going to work with you if you give them a range of options say three to four or two whatever um now the question when they look at that is going to be which one of these is most valuable to me? Do you see the difference in the question? Yeah. So, so, okay. So, well, so I was thinking in terms of having different price points and, and having those options mm -hmm. and like they can send the decoy pricing and, and, you know, the, the, uh, choice fatigue that people might experience. Um, and so is there a, have you found that there's, you know, situation is different for everyone, but is there an optimal way to be able to present different options and prices to people? Um, yes. Uh, I will say that to make this more practical, let's just, I'm going to quickly go over like what new business owners and um, what we found new business owners or even veteran business owners, there's three main roadblocks they have. Do you mind if I go over this quickly? No, this is perfect. Yeah. So the three biggest roadblocks I've seen that I've noticed when I'm working with people is number one, internal mindset around value whether it's their own value or their perception of value. Because if they don't know their own value, then they're always trying to satisfy other people um, because they're really trying to figure out how to satisfy their own uh, 
perspective on value. And so you that leads to overexertion, no boundaries, feeling guilty for charging, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the reason I say that part is because that small tweak, I had someone uh, that just changed their perspective on it and they charged what they wanted to charge and they got the deal. It was multiple millions um, from that just small tweak. <laughs> and then um, lack of resources, either money, time, people, and energy. So either they're busy all the time and to get money, but now they don't have any energy. They don't have any time to do anything else. They don't have time to whatever. So these are the biggest, the four components, money, time, people, and energy. Some of those things are going to be lacking. And then the final roadblock is people are unclear what they're offering and how to offer it. So to go back to your original question on original pricing, when you focus on the pricing piece and understand that, it's going to solve majority of those three roadblocks because then you start, if you think of your business as a bringing in people, right? Everyone talks about a funnel. When you only have a business when people pay, right? If people aren't paying for something, you don't have a business. <laughs> That's a good distinction, yeah. Right, so <laughs> the only gateway, no matter how much marketing you do, how many offers you put out, how many things you acquire, how many people you hire, um, the only gateway that determines that you really have control of is your price. That's like the gateway that brings people from here into your business. If you only have one price, you only have one door for people to go through. So you might be missing out on people that have bigger budgets. You might be just trying to get in people that have smaller budgets. Um, and that's why you focus on the volume. The biggest component from that is once you master the pricing piece, which means you have to understand value and you have to understand what you're giving people and how to expect people, uh, what people are expecting of you and what they value, you can open and close the door on your own. Like you have control of how many people you want to see, or if you want to see a bigger price point, you can widen the door, but then you can close off the door. So you start getting control of your business when you actually start seriously looking at price instead of and how it works in your context instead of looking and asking what everyone else is doing. Does this make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. So the, the mindset shift that's required that, that your, your client experienced in order to say, I'm, I'm not totally comfortable with where I'm at to, I feel perfectly confident in what I'm providing and that, that the price point that I'm at, yeah. what had to change in order for that to happen? I would say the biggest thing is for them was understanding that I should be allowed to charge and not be scared what I'm worth. And because I know what I'm worth before, before they were comparing themselves to everyone else. And in order for value to actually work, you have to have a comparison without a comparison. Mm. Value means nothing. Right. Right. One of the biggest things I've learned is, um, say, where I don't know where you are right now, but uh, say it's 72 degrees. That's a comfortable temperature for some, yes? Right. But if you were, say, in the, and that would be, you know, if you were, say, in the Sahara Desert, 72 would actually feel very cold when you're coming from that. If you're on Mercury, right. if you're on Mercury 72 <laughs> would also feel extremely frigid. Um, <laughs> right. If you have lighting, right, it's, uh, you can, you can, something that is light here, when you're in the middle of space, is going to be extremely dark. So once you understand what value is, value needs a comparison. Once you understand that you need a comparison, then from there, you're going to be able to control the comparison regarding your offer. Okay. 
And that's where the options Now I come suspect, in. okay. So I suspect the comparison that you want to make, and I, I think this is where you're going with this, is among different offers that you provide rather than comparing yourself to the market, to competitors, to your contemporaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, well, not okay. even that. Take, for example, um, let's make it realistic. Say, do you offer a service for anyone? Like course reviews, audits, whatever, or you look over some. Say, say you offer yeah, that. Yeah, teaching people how to build courses, right. Right, so say you offered one price um, and to audit, um, to audit their course, say it's $500 or $1,000, whatever. Um, if they only see that one price, they're going to be like, well, I don't need that. But if you, <laughs> right, they're going to decide right then and there, well, is this valuable to me? Um, if you were to break it down right. into, say, let's just say for now, three different options. Base level, $500. Um, I just review your course um, on my own time and I give you some feedback. Say for $1,500, I will review your course, uh, make a slideshow presentation with it, and give you important pointers and things you could work on. Bigger thing is we will, let's say for like 5,000, I will review your course, um, make a slideshow presentation, and also take on one-on-one -on -one time with you to really look at the nuances and how I would present it. And um, you can send me feedback and I'll revamp it and go from there. Yeah, that that is that is a huge way to compare. And and essentially it's, it's the same skill. It may be a separate amount of effort and certainly separate, separate deliverables. But uh, I think it's brilliant how you've taken a, a single skill and sliced it a bunch of different ways in order to, like you're saying, allow people to decide what they value in that moment. Right. And if you show someone that, they're going to now look at it and be like, well, which of these do I actually need? Do mm. I want the handholding? So if you only have one price, someone that wants to pay more for speed and help and handholding, right. they would be willing to do that. But if you only have one price, you're going to be undervalued. They'll think it's a deal. If you do the other way around and you only have one price, they think it's going to be expensive potentially and you'll feel okay, right. but um, you won't keep customers very long. So right. going back to what you said, one price, if you say it's something more simple, we'll say um, you do an audit on someone's website or something for like $100. When someone looks at there, they're going to look at, well, can I do this on my own? Is my comparison going to be my family vacation? Is my comparison going to be like my Netflix, my utility bill, <laughs> uh, my latte? It's not right. just business things. It's everyday life things you're also comparing it to. Your previous pricing, et cetera. So th this comes then with a, a really uh, deep need, I would say, uh, to understand positioning. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? To a certain extent, because like I didn't know of anything about positioning when I started, right? So um, I'm just learning about, we'll say I'm within the last couple of years, I'm learning more about the importance of positioning. But the reason I focus on price of, say you take a brand new business owner, they don't have a lot of traffic, they don't know how to position themselves, they don't have enough um, experience yet, right, to really position themselves in the market. But what they do have is a skill set that helps people or creates a result of some sort. Tweaking the pricing and knowing how to work with that allows you to maximize the value that the person's looking for that you can give them at a higher, at different level price points. So it gives you potentially the capital that you need to then start getting more experiences in marketing and, you know, spent or have more time to learn about these things right. instead of getting overrun. So right. I know a lot of people say, get leads, 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 get more prospects. 
but I know plenty of people that have also done that route and they get overwhelmed and inundated by all these leads and they don't know what to do because it's still the same price point or they don't have the capacity. Right. Then they have to hire. Yeah. And then something goes wrong yep. and then they're paying for someone else to hire. And so um, <laughs> that goes into unclear what they're offering and how to offer it. That's that's the third bottleneck that I was right. talking about, or a roadblock that I was talking about earlier. Okay. So this is like part and parcel to defining and presenting your offer to people. And so I'm just thinking of like, in terms of, as an example, like info products, you know, the thing, the prevailing wisdom at this point is you offer a thing and then you have an offer stack of a number of different bonuses that you add to it, which are assigned a price, in my opinion, often arbitrarily. And then in order to create a momentum of like, okay, well, I'm going to charge you $95, but really what you're going to get is $1,000 in what we'll call value. Yep. And so when you're looking at pricing a bonus or, or trying to create an offer stack, what's your philosophy in, in approaching that? I mean, there's many, I will say there's many different approaches and this is more, we'll say product creation, um, which is why I want to differentiate, which is why I've differentiated this when I'm talking with people, since we mostly work on people that do service-based components. Um, mm. You'll notice that a lot of people, there's two types of entrepreneurs or business owners. They're either service entrepreneurs or product entrepreneurs. Um, the enticement when the product side is stack as much value as possible so people potentially will buy the thing or you have venture capitalists that back your product so then then you also have that piece that's a whole right. other talk um yeah. the service side you give something and you get immediate return to try to increase the price people will offer all this extra stuff or offer products on top of it um but if you actually step back for a second and look at why you're offering the thing you're offering and if it actually caters um i think my philosophy is it has to have some type of relevance to what you're offering the pricing component which is anchoring and and showing bonuses and and the money component i mean it's just to tap into that comparison feature so they're comparing what this is what is this worth or anchoring what's this worth and then from there, making it look like a deal in quotations. That's why sales and other stuff work. Um, they cross it out. Uh, that's more pricing theory. Uh, and you can read books and lots of different, different things on that. But I think the more important component with that, say, a product and an offer stack is, is it producing the result? And is your main product actually that good? Or is the bonuses are what making it better and then your product is oh-so? And you're only trying to sell the so-so product with more bonuses. Not only, I think, lasts so long. Right. Um, yeah. I do like what Alex Ramosi and a number of other people said. One of the hardest skills is product first development. So that's why a lot of people look at the sales and marketing side first. And that's sort of like the bonus stack and the techniques behind that. I think that falls into the sales and marketing piece, not necessarily the sales piece or the product piece. So if you were to peel all that back, if you want to know what you, if you want to look at strictly... Um, I would say how to offer something or when to offer something. Be clear on what you're offering. Is this a product or is this a service, number one? Um, because a product doesn't take your time. It's more one-to-many. Right. A service will take your time. So when you're making an offer stack of whatever it is, you have to decide, like, am I offering a product or am I offering a service? Well, then I think the disconnect between time and money is... Is, is like the thing that most people strive towards. 
But what's interesting about the being able to price at a premium level for those who value it is that it gives you the opportunity perhaps to earn the same amount or more income you would otherwise mm -hmm. without having to work as much. Yeah. And actually, one, one of our reviews said they when they were doing a service, uh, they started a new business. They were afraid of all the appointments they had to fill to make a great income. And once they learned about value and pricing and those things, they said, I don't have to. I'm so excited because basically I don't have to work a zillion hours to make a great income anymore. Everything that they learn with their business right. plan, everything else, they're throwing out the window. Um, <laughs> because most of us, at least on the service side, you're like, how many client slots do I need to fill? If I want to make this much in the year, which means I have to make this many, work this many months, this many weeks, which means I have to work this many hours in the day and charge this, which means I have to market to this many people to get these people to come in. It gets complicated. Once you understand that small right. component of what you're offering and how to offer it, um, that's not as important. And uh, you're no longer working off volume and commoditization at that point because people will appreciate what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. I was going to say one of the biggest things I've learned um, was that on the services side, there's this, and Blair Ends and other people talk about this really well, um, there's two types of services. There is productized services and customized services. And for a lot of us who really try to help people and really try to understand the person's positioning or position and where they're coming from and try to get them a result, a lot of us will tend to do custom work, but charging out a productized service rate. And the problem with that is mm. productized services work on efficiency, custom works on innovation which custom means that if you, there's going to be a lot of mistakes and you have to start over and over and over again. So that inherently means that there's, you're, it's inefficient. Um, whereas a product right. service, you do over and over and over and over again, you get really good at it. The more results you produce, you can charge higher, decrease the rate, uh, or increase the rate, decrease the time it takes. A lot of us though, we don't want to do that. We really want to help the person. And so once you've realized the difference between the service side, you're able to charge a lot higher for your custom work, but also have productized services on the side to do that quick in and out to give you a base foundation. Yeah. Because well, and, and that really gives you that opportunity to, to, like you're saying, serve and have probably a lot more of an impact with the people that you're working with because it's custom and it's because it's meant specifically for them. Right. And this is the issue that people have with productized services if you only do it. Um, I think the biggest thing is like if you look at time and money, if you only have productized, at some point you will hit a plateau because you only have so much capacity and you only have so much time. So what they do is they will hire more people or they expand and scale, right? Everyone says the scale. However, what happens with the scaling and that is um, you increase the expenses with that at the same time. Right. And if something doesn't go right, if say money goes down, now you're stuck with this scenario where you have more expenses than, than right. um, time. Does that make sense? Yeah. When yeah, do, it's an operational inefficiency at that point. Yep. And so when you add in custom properly, it sort of removes the time aspect. And that's where you see these large jumps in revenue when you properly do it. Right. 
And that gives you the cash flow to either work on your productized services or even better, work on products individually to give you that freedom where you don't have to be in your business all the time. Because when you have products, it separates you out of the time component. But it takes time so, to actually build a product. Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Especially what that's, that's good yes. and people recognize the value of. <laughs> Correct. So one of the things that, that you did mention a moment ago, which I, I think would be interesting to, to delve into a little bit, was the, the psychology around pricing, you know, price anchoring and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, and that's even, even also kind of more in a negotiation as well. But is... Is anchoring something that you employ or do you find it to be detrimental to what you're trying to accomplish? No, I, th I think if you use it correctly, um, well, price anchoring, once again, it, it's not just price anchoring. It comes from something called, um, I think, anchoring and adjustment. I don't remember the heuristic. A heuristic is basically a brain shortcut that allows your brain to process something quicker without having to engage the logical component of your brain um, because it takes the brain takes like 20% of our... Um, of our energy stores. And so it tries to shortcut as much as possible to be as efficient as possible. Right. The problem is that leads to biases, cognitive biases, and uh, sometimes we miss stuff. So the idea behind anchoring is to, I like to look at it more from a, a, uh, from a ethical standpoint. Remember we talked about comparison earlier. When someone comes to see you, they all have comparisons from your competitors, from their own expenses from their own things your previous pricing anchoring all anchoring is going to do for them is readjust that comparison and restart the scale so that they can focus only on what you're giving them versus calling you and looking at let's say on your website or calling say this is my rate and being like well i don't know if i want this or not it's a disservice if you are not allowing them to work with you because you could potentially change their life so if you don't raise your price enough or you don't anchor them properly Every person that comes in, they're going to go away to someone else because you didn't show them the value that you could bring to their life. So when we anchor, right. it reshifts everything so that they can sort of start fresh. Interesting. Okay. That's how I view it. Um, because, you know, especially if you come from a commoditized field, everything's so low and you can't, you can only race to the <laughs> zero so fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> So <laughs> hopefully not too fast too. Yeah. I think Dan Kennedy said, uh, um, there's no strategic advantage for being the, having the cheapest price, but there is a strategic right. advantage to being the second most expensive <laughs> or something like that. So, okay. What about changes? Like people's businesses change, uh, what you offer changes, what you learn and, and, and your, your ability to deliver changes things. So what about being able to change your prices if you want to raise them, lower them or whatever, without like completely marginalizing your existing audience? Yeah, actually, this is a funny thing. I was talking one time I was talking to a game truck owner and he was like trying to figure out if he should raise his price. And I've done this, too. Like you spend weeks or months trying to figure out, should I raise my price? And then you raise it like 10 or 15 dollars. <laughs> for for a 100 to 200 price point you're like look i raised my price and then everyone gets mad because you <laughs> nickel and dined them so once once you it's not just offering a service this is where value comes into play it's not just showing like one service on one line like say an office visit or say a website audit or this or that 
Um, if you only have one line that doesn't portray the value, the person's going to make up what that entails. So if you actually show what you're doing for them, right, your whole process that you're doing for them for even that single service, and then you brace that across multiple options, then you have a lot more flexibility because you can, if something doesn't work well, you can extract the value from that. Or if something does work well, you can maximize the value in that and how you list things. And because the value within there is changing, the person, uh, it's hard to just say this line item equals this price. So from there, when you have options and you can shift how you portray that value, now you have much more flexibility in your pricing. And if something works well and you look at your what people are purchasing, right? This is why like fast food chain movies have multiple price points. Um, you'll notice that right. people buy certain things. So you can adjust and shift. Like if no one's buying your lowest price option, that means your market value is higher than what you thought it was. So just make that the lowest right. new price point and raise the other ones. And that's how you start shifting everything. I feel like I've learned a ton. I hope everybody who's uh, been joining us through this ride has as well. And what I like to do at the end of each show is just give you an opportunity to give some actionable tactics for people to to take as they go. Mm -hmm. So uh, what, what are your top three that come to mind at the moment? I would say the top three that have really helped me and helped a lot of our clients is number one, um, since a service is a skill set or a service is the fastest way to get cash, especially if you're new in business, I would just focus on getting better and consistent at that skill, preferably a high income skill, um, until you can consistently make at least $10,000 a month, because that means you know that you've been able to master that skill and people want it. Um, instead of keep on mm. switching, every time you have to switch, then you potentially uh, have to restart all over again. So if you can make right. more than $10,000 a month or more with a high income skill, then that is going to be benefit. It will produce pricing confidence or financial confidence. Um, and then know how valuable you are, all the services, all the things you do for people. Really understand that your value is tied with yourself and not other people's perspectives. And then know how to leverage it, meaning know how to actually show people um, what you offer and they will see the value in that versus saying, this is one line item and then make the, make have them make assumptions about it. So you have to really show people what you do. Right. And then the most important thing, I think this is just through my life, is politely question everything, including what we just talked about here. Um, experiment, test it out, gain experience from it, and then make your own conclusion from it. Because I, I see so many people jumping into something and they haven't tested it. And it worked out for the person giving the advice, but it may not work in your context. So politely question everything. Right. And don't piss people off, but make your own conclusion and how it works in your life and in your context. That's all. I and I, I think that step is missed by so many people, you know, and one of the things I like to talk about is, uh, when it comes to course building is that you, you can tell what worked for you, but if you don't explain why, then you're not giving the entire story because that why may be completely different for someone else. Right. Um, and speaking of courses, I believe you have a whole course that teaches people all about pricing. Yeah, uh, we do have a, a course. It's called Power Up Your Pricing. Um, that actually came from my own experiences trying to figure all this stuff out. And actually, I used to charge one-on-one um, -on -one clients 10000 or more to teach this stuff. and But it was overwhelming for them. And so there was a piece that was missing. It's like taking someone mm -hmm. from here with like no pricing experience and they just run their business and do what everyone tells them to like, oh my gosh, there's all these components. <laughs> there was no bridge between there. And so Power Up Your Pricing course sort of came was born out of that 
at a price point that was affordable to most so that um, people can actually learn these techniques and skills and concepts and principles so that they can take it and work with their own business in their context mm. and then really move forward and then decide where they want to take their business from there. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Let's continue this conversation. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. So go out and have an amazing day. I hope you get a chance to find someone to love, find someone to forgive and find someone to encourage because we are most certainly not in this alone. And I'll see you again here soon on the Leverage 3 Podcast.